This podcast is a Radio Mike original production. Head to radiomike.com.au to find out more. This episode of 20th Century Boy is brought to you by Radio Mike on Patreon and the TCB Overflow podcast. If you finish 20th Century Boy and you want to hear more from me, head to patreon.com slash radio Mike and for as little as a dollar a month, get the Overflow podcast, an extra podcast every single week. And the Pat and Mike show where producer Pat and I talk everything behind the scenes of 20th Century Boy. The Patreon is overflowing with content. We'll see you there. Hello everyone, Radio Mike here. Welcome to a special bonus. This is going to become a monthly thing on this feed. So every month you will get one of these. It is my monthly movie vlog. I love watching movies. It's a hobby of mine. I'm trying to watch like as many movies as possible before I die. Um, I love movies and I used to do this series on my YouTube channel Um, which was Mike's Monthly Movies. This is pretty much that in podcast form. The reason why it got really hard to uh, keep doing on YouTube, the video editing just took so long, but I did want to continue this format in some form. So I've decided it's going to, yeah, be a monthly vlog, uh, a monthly movie uh, wrap up on my podcast feed. I actually have a Letterboxd account. If you don't know, Letterboxd is like a social media for movies where you can log all the movies you watch and talk about the movies you watched and what you thought and rate and review them. So I do little short comic kind of reviews for every movie that I watch as I can. And yeah, I've decided each month I'm going to do a little wrap up, you know, just as a bonus thing for you. I want to do more content sort of on this feed because there's lots of people subscribe to this feed. So yeah, if you like movies, I recommend you stay tuned. So This is for the month of May. I don't know if I'm going to get back to Jan, Feb, March and April of this year. I think it's maybe too late for them. And I'm only restarting this series now from May. So let's just see how we go. It's much easier to do audio versions than video versions as well. But the first movie that I watched in May 2022 is a movie called The Jerk. This is a movie from 1979 and it stars Steve Martin. The reason I watched this is because I really like Steve Martin. I think he's a really funny actor and I just wanted to watch a bit more of his stuff uh, uh, that he did in the past because I've seen a bunch of his modern stuff and I love... One of my favourite childhood movies is Cheaper by the Dozen, which of course has uh, Steve Martin in the main role as the father of 12 children. This movie uh, came recommended by a, a few people to me as a good Steve Martin movie. I didn't think it was amazing. Steve Martin kind of plays this unlikable dude um, and it's definitely showed its age over time, especially because, I I don't know, uh, well, the movie, towards the end of the movie, Steve Martin does say the N-word, which was quite shocking. I mean, for the 70s, I guess there was nothing too weird about that, but it was certainly a little bit shocking to see Steve Martin, who I guess I more know for his family-friendly roles. It was really weird. Uh, hearing him say the n-word in this movie and I, I I don't know I didn't think I don't think this movie holds up too well but it was a little bit of fun but not too much fun if you are a regular listener of TCB you will probably be familiar with the next movie that I'm about to talk about because the second movie that I watched in May of 2022 was Puss in Boots the 2011 film which is a spin-off of the Shrek franchise starring the eponymous Puss in Boots 
for whatever reason, I never saw this movie as a kid. And I think it, it was probably because Shrek Forever After is the worst movie ever made, objectively, and it ruined the entire... Um, it, it was just a pointless appendage to uh, to the Shrek franchise. I actually now look back on Toy Story 4. Like, I think Toy Story 4 was a decent enough movie, but at the same time... I, I think it's unnecessary in the overall story of Toy Story. And I feel the same way about Shrek Forever After, except much more seriously. Of course, Puss in Boots, I just never saw it growing up, probably because Shrek 4 sucked. And then I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Puss in Boots. Actually didn't mind this. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, Antonio Banderas is great. And to be honest, Puss in Boots, the character from Shrek, is an iconic character. He's a great animated character. And... It was cool revisiting the world of Shrek. And as I, as I was getting at, if you listen to the podcast regularly, um, you will know that this kind of kick-started my little story arc of the Shrek cinematic universe, a.k.a. the Shrek cinematic universe. Oh, uh, no, a.k.a. the Shrek-o-matic universe. And uh, I, I think this is a really cool entry point into the Shrek-o-matic universe. I, I genuinely do think with the new movie, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, we are going to get some form of Shrekomatic Universe being started. I am so confident about it. I've called it on the pod. I am calling it here. Um, and yeah, I did enjoy, I, I really did enjoy Puss in Boots. I think it's a, it's a bit of fun. It's like a 90 minute kids movie. And uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this. The next movie that I watched uh, was actually off the back of coming home really drunk at like midnight and just it, the whole time I was in the Uber home, I was like, I have to watch this movie. And it's Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. This originally came out in 2015, and uh, I did see it in the cinemas when it came out. But I honestly, I barely remembered it. And I think the reason for that is because it's so similar to A New Hope. It's like an echo of the film A New Hope, the original Star Wars film. But watching this again... Honestly, this movie is amazing. I actually think The Force Awakens... At first, I thought... I actually... I mean, I hate Rise of Skywalker in terms of the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, but I actually think The Force Awakens is probably my favourite of the three sequel trilogy movies. For a while, it was Last Jedi. I'm one of the weird people who really liked The Last Jedi, but I actually now think it's this one. I think this really captures what Star Wars could have been. It's the first one of the new three, and I think it it shows how good this series could have been if it didn't get so muddled up with, like, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams and stuff. And I think Han Solo's appearance in this is amazing. Kylo Ren, I actually do think, is a really good troubled villain trying to um, walk in the footsteps of his grandfather, Darth Vader, and exploring that is really interesting. And, of course, that reveal of Luke at the end is amazing as well. It's a seven or eight year old movie now, guys. So that's not a spoiler. Luke Skywalker appears at the end of this film, but I really like this and it was really good watching it again. I genuinely just stayed up till like 2.30 in the morning watching this because it's a two and a half hour movie, but it is really worth it. And uh, yeah, I think this is the best of the, the sequel trilogy Star Wars movies. Probably the biggest release of the month, new release of the month that I watched that probably most of you have also seen is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Saw this in cinemas at Melbourne Central, I think. And honestly, again, I thought this was pretty good. I think it's gotten a lot of criticism from a lot of people. And 
I understand that. I think visually it was really nice. It, it looked really good. And I think the Doctor Strange character was fleshed out a bit more and was kind of... Because I remember in the first Doctor Strange, he was a bit of an arrogant, uh, kind of Iron Man, Tony Stark clone character. But he, he kind of gets a bit more breadth in this one. Of course, it ties a lot into WandaVision with Scarlet Witch being the main villain. And uh, there's a few things about this that I wanted to comment on. I think predominantly... The main thing, uh, and you can consider this whole, everything in this podcast series will always be spoilers, but I think the main thing was coming off the back of No Way Home, I don't think we were ever going to top the reveals of the three Spider-Men. Like, I I don't really think that we were ever going to get something as big as that, but everyone was kind of expecting something as big as that. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, Tobey Maguire is going to pop up again and all these other characters because it's the multiverse of madness. It's going to be amazing. Someone made the comment to me that, yeah, in this movie, they only actually go to one other universe. So it's not really, you know, there is a multiverse, but they're not like, it's not like the episode of Family Guy where they're traveling through all the multi, which is the multiverse, which is an amazing episode of Family Guy. Um, That's a very funny episode where they go to all these different multiverses. But yeah, I think... The thing that that weakened this, one, is that Patrick Stewart was already revealed in the trailer. So we already knew that Patrick Stewart was in it. And he really was the biggest kind of cameo character, I would say. Uh, There were a bunch of other cameo characters, including Agent Carter as as, um, Captain whatever whatever her name is. And uh, even uh, John Krasinski shows up as Mr. Fantastic. That was really cool. Awesome to see a glimpse of what... Uh, Fantastic Four could look like in the MCU, but at the same time, if you've seen the movie, all of the character, all of the Illuminati characters, which is this team of characters in the multiverse, they all die almost instantly. They're killed by Scarlet Witch, and it was disappointing. I kind of wish we could see them fight a bit more. But overall, I yeah, I mean, I enjoyed this movie. It was just another MCU movie. It was hotly awaited, and I think because of the expectation that No Way Home set up people were disappointed by this because it could never have delivered on the promises of No Way Home. And it it didn't, but it's still decent fun. After I saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I saw a lot of people commenting on Twitter and tweeting out stuff like, oh, um, this is such a Sam Raimi film. It's so Sam Raimi. And I don't really know what traits of movies and cinema make a Sam Raimi film a Sam Raimi film, so I decided to explore this a bit. Of course, I've seen uh, Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man trilogy, which I really enjoy, but I don't think I've seen any other Sam Raimi films aside from Multiverse of Madness and and um, the Spider-Man films. He's, he's, he's directed a bunch of movies, including the Evil Dead series, Drag Me to Hell, um, and a few others, which I just took a look at. So I decided to watch Army of Darkness, mainly because it was an 82-minute film and that felt like a very easy movie to watch. What I didn't realise is this is actually, like, a fourth iteration of the Evil Dead franchise. So it kind of... I mean, it does stand alone, but there was a lot of backstory from the Evil Dead movies that came before it, that, I, and I didn't realise it was linked to that, to that series. But this was a bit of fun. Uh, I can't say too much about it. I kind of get what they mean when they say it's a Raimi film. There's a lot of um, particular uh, autoristic choices that I think Raimi uses that I think have crossed over a lot of his movies. There's a few really cool artistic scenes in Army of Darkness. I didn't think it was, like, incredible. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. So that was an enjoyable watch and a quick watch, and you know how much I like a quick watch. 
the movie's basically about the main guy from the Evil Dead franchise going back in time and having to kill a bunch of, like, skeleton zombies and stuff. It's just, a, you know, it's a cool kind of horror action movie um, that's a little bit kind of sent up. Like, there's a bit of comedy in it. But, yeah, I thought this was, uh, I thought this was fun. A really good one that I watched from DreamWorks, my second DreamWorks movie of the month, because Puss in Boots was obviously DreamWorks. I also watched The Bad Guys, which is a, I think the latest DreamWorks movie. It came out in 2022, so that would probably make it the latest. Um, It is a really unique concept. I've never been a huge fan of DreamWorks animated films especially compared to the heyday of Pixar and, and Disney and, and Studio Ghibli and, and other studios like that. DreamWorks always felt like, you know, the discount Pixar and they were trying really hard to beat Pixar, but their movies were just never as good and felt really shovel-weary. I mean, even things like Madagascar, I'm just looking, Madagascar, Over the Hedge, Flushed Away. I think Shrek is great. Megamind, that was really good. They also have the Kung Fu Panda franchise. Like, they're not bad movies by any means, but... I'm never super excited about a DreamWorks film, but this was a really fun heist send-up movie. In my letterbox review, I joked that it was kind of like the Suicide Squad, but good. It's basically about five kind of uh, villain-esque characters. For example, the big bad wolf, a giant shark, a tarantula, a snake, and a piranha, and they're called the bad guys, and they're like a known criminal team in uh, this animal world of anthropomorphic animals. And yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Really funny, great voice acting work. Aquafina's in it. Um, Mark Marin, the podcaster, is in it. And I, I, yeah, I just thought really good characterization and a really nice animated fun heist film with good character exploration. A really fun animated movie. Probably the strongest thing that I've seen out of DreamWorks for a very long time. So... I speak really highly about this and gave it four stars over on Letterboxd. After that, my dad really wanted to watch a movie with me and uh, he suggested that we watch this movie from the 80s, 1988, called Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, This is another Steve Martin movie that also features Michael Caine. And uh, this was very, very funny. Steve Martin is a great comedy actor and uh, he's really versatile. So I, I, I really enjoy him, as I said earlier, and I want to uh, keep exploring a bunch of his old movies. This movie has a really fun premise. It's essentially about these two con men, one who's like a kind of street con man and one who's like a career con man. And they are essentially trying to out-con each other. Uh, as well as trying to, they make a deal that, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a classic 80s film that's grounded in casual sexism, I suppose. And it's, uh, they make a deal that, you know, after conning each other, whoever first sleeps with this young American woman gets to, um, or whoever steals like 50 grand from her gets to be the winner of their con off. And, I think, yeah, it's it's a pretty fun movie. There's lots of escapades. There's lots of fun. And uh, it's directed by Frank Oz, who is is a great comedy director. I thought this was really fun. And I would definitely want to watch it again because there's a, there's a twist at the end. And I did pick the twist uh, very quickly because my dad, in, my dad said to me, there's a twist at the end. And then I was like, well, now it's obvious what the twist is. Um, but yeah, I think... This is a really fun old comedy movie. Again, I love Steve Martin, so highly recommend checking this one out. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, 1988. 
I watched a movie called After Yang, which was released in 2021. Bit of an indie sort of film with Colin Farrell. And it is, it, it's got a good sci-fi concept, but it's kind of like this really human down-to-earth science fiction. It's about uh, this family that has an adopted android that is like a... a there's like this company that manufactures older older siblings for for only children, and they're they're robots essentially. And their robot Yang uh, begins to malfunction unexplainably, and then it kind of goes on a philosophical uh, what what's the word for it? Philosophical and yeah, I guess philosophical is the word. Just an exploration of what it means to be human when they begin to find out that Yang, the android, had apparently some semblance of a life before he was adopted by this family and they're exploring this and learning more and more about yang as they uh try to get him repaired and uh yeah this was this was a really interesting sci-fi movie it was a bit subdued and a bit artistic for me you know i mean i'm not pretending i i hope people don't think when i do these that i'm like this really engaged film kind of person. I'm not, and I'm not claiming to be. I'm just talking about movies I watch. I'm more watching movies for interesting stories and uh, funny or interesting acting and stuff. And this has all of that. It is a really interesting story. It was very, yeah, very abstract at points, which um, often throws me off because I, I can't think too abstractly when I'm watching a movie. But I thought this was fun. Gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd as well. I then watched The Mask, the Jim Carrey film from 1994, a movie that I have definitely seen in my life at some point. Uh, I mean, I use, it used to be on TV all the time when I was a kid, and I remember being terrified of The Mask. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it is based on a comic book series in which there is this ancient mask that uh, the main character in, in this movie finds, and when you put it on, the mask, like, possesses you and uh, is is kind of a super, superhuman thing that can kind of bend reality and stuff. And Jim Carrey's character finds this mask and starts using it. And uh, it kind of commits crimes and, and things when he's... He, he can't remember what happens, but then he starts realising that it's him. And uh, it's, it's a fun Jim Carrey comedy adventure. I genuinely think that this role was probably the role... It's the role that Jim Carrey was born to play. He is so good with his his really visual acting and I think visually this this movie was really impressive for the time. I think uh, there's lots of cool... The, the mask is like this animated... has lots of animated effects and cartoony effects. Like it spins like Taz the Tasmanian Devil and lots of, yeah, very cartoony actions that... Jim Carrey has to do, and that's why I think he was born to play this role. It's a really fun movie. I gave it four out of five stars. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, the 2022 movie, was a big one on Disney Plus this year, and uh, it's a Disney Plus exclusive, and I've never seen the Chip and Dale TV show, Rescue Rangers, so I don't know much about the characters, but I saw the trailer, and the whole thing is kind of like a send-up of animation and cartoon culture. It's very Who Framed Roger Rabbit, lots of appearances from different animated and cartoon characters from many different studios, even outside of Disney. There are so many cool cartoon cameos, and I hate it. I, I hate to like love a movie that relies on just, oh, it's that character, oh, it's that character, and this movie is a bit of that. I mean, Randy Marsh from South Park appears in this, which I thought was a great cameo, as well as that you've got like 
Beavis and Butthead cameos. You have uh, Rick and Morty cameos. Like, every cartoon ever is featured. Even Shrek is mentioned and a plot point in this. And, of course, Ugly Sonic, the original design for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie character, was a key character in this movie. I have no idea how they managed to pull it off, but Ugly Sonic was such a surprising uh, appearance if you've seen the movie. It is a really fun movie. The it, It's it's very tongue-in-cheek, very meta, uh, and I thought, yeah, if you're into cartoons, if, you, if you're into anything like that, you will really, really like this movie. I also found out that apparently before Ugly Sonic was confirmed for the movie, uh, it was Jar Jar Binks was going to be the character in Ugly Sonic's role, which I think is an equally interesting role because it's just, yeah, a character that everybody hates and no one likes at all and was rejected by their respective fandom. So I think Jar Jar would have been another great character. After that, as you know, if you listen to 20th Century Boy, it is Mike's big year of movie premieres, and our first movie premiere for the year was the Bob's Burgers movie. I have talked extensively about this in a YouTube video exclusively to review this movie, but I'll just speak to it a little bit more. The main point I made in that video was that the Bob's Burgers movie is essentially... It is really funny, and I love Bob's Burgers, the show, and I think this movie was really funny. Heaps of laughs. It does feel like a big episode of the show rather than... uh, I compared it to the Simpsons movie, which maybe isn't a fair comparison, but I said the Simpsons movie was a very big, um, adventurous film that really expanded what the Simpsons could do. I think the stakes are high in the Bob's Burgers movie, but it does feel still very parochial and very based in... Um, what the show dealt with a lot. But overall, I thought this was hilarious and I I would love to watch it again sometime. Okay, after that, and we're down to the last three now, I finally got round to a movie I've wanted to watch for a very long time, and that movie is Orgasmo. If you are unfamiliar, Orgasmo is a film by Trey Parker, one of the creators of South Park. It was actually, it probably just about predates South Park and it, it, it and the thing about this movie that I think is really interesting is that it has the, the DNA of South Park exists so much in this movie as well as the DNA for the Book of Mormon which of course was a Trey Parker musical as well I think this movie which is about a superhero who can make people have orgasms and and this guy who's a mormon who ends up accidentally starring in a porn film called Captain Orgasmo um it's 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 not a great film and i think it's not quite the right platform for Trey Parker i don't think i personally think Trey Parker and Matt Stone are two of the most creative and intelligent clever satirists in Uh, the world and I love South Park I love most of the things they do but particularly South Park this predating South Park it's not quite there it doesn't quite hit the mark of what we know Trey Parker is capable of it's funny there's a few little laughs but it's it's not quite the satirical masterpiece that we have come to expect from them admittedly nearly 25 years later so it's understandable but it's It's very crass, and I think, like I said, the DNA is all there, but this isn't quite the right platform for them yet. And, you know, it it still takes them probably 10 more years before South Park starts to become incredibly cutting-edge satire. So, overall, I think this is a really good starting point if you're interested in seeing the origins of what would become South Park and what would become the Book of Mormon because, you know, there are elements of both of those things in this movie and 
it's a really interesting starting point for Trey's career that's very fascinating to follow. Next up and leaning into Mike's big year of movie premieres, I watched Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. This is the second movie in the Jurassic Park reboot with Chris Pratt. I haven't actually seen Jurassic Park 2 or 3 and I haven't, I've seen, I had only seen Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. So I thought since I'm going to the premiere of Jurassic World Dominion, it might be a good idea for me to watch at least Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which is the, which is chronologically the one directly before that. This was pretty good. It wasn't amazing, but I mean, I love the effects. I love seeing the dinosaurs. I mean, who doesn't like just seeing dinosaurs on the big screen? It's, it's pretty fun. I think Chris Pratt is awesome as always. And generally the, the, the movie kind of feels like it's in two halves like it starts as almost a disaster movie where they're trying to evacuate the dinosaurs from the island that they're on because I think if I remember correctly the volcano is going to erupt and then the second half is almost almost like a horror heist kind of thing they're designing essentially a dinosaur super soldier that they're selling for 28 million dollars which is spliced DNA of a bunch of dinosaurs and I think there's some good concepts in this. It's fun. Uh, I gave it three out of five stars. It wasn't the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I think if you were a big Jurassic Park fan, you'd obviously enjoy it much more than I did. But I would watch many more of these movies just for fun because I think uh, I definitely want to revisit, well, not revisit, visit for the first time Jurassic Park 2 and 3 because, yeah, especially once I see Dominion, I'll want to get the full story. Finally, from May... I watched a movie called Lake Placid. I think this is because, and maybe I'll talk about this on the main pod at one point. I think it kind of came off the back of Jurassic World. But I have this thing where I think that crocodiles aren't talked about enough by society. I think that crocodiles are these menaces in, well, I mean, they're not in society, but I just think we don't talk much about crocodiles and how insanely horrific they are and how terrifying they are how they're just essentially these big dinosaurs that will sneak up on you and eat you. And that is absolutely insane. And we need to do something about it. And I'm terrified of crocodiles if you haven't figured it out. So I was like, I'm going to watch a crocodile movie about a, a killer crocodile. And I found Lake Placid. So I watched it. It's honestly, it's about a giant crocodile. It it kills a bear, which is which reminded me of that thing. If a bear and a shark had a fight, who would win? But if a bear and a croc had a fight, who would win? They try to kill the crocodile. It's super insane because the crocodile is massive, but maybe not that much bigger than a real-life crocodile. Uh, I gave it two and a half stars. Honestly, it wasn't anything too special. It was just a typical creature feature movie, but I don't mind watching them every now and then, and I kind of want to watch more crocodile movies, mainly to just enhance my fear of crocodiles, which are, as I said, horrific creatures that should not exist and I don't think society talks about how horrific they are. Anyway, that is every movie that I watched in May. You can uh, feel free to write in about anything you've heard on this bonus podcast. I'm more than happy to talk about uh, these movies or any movies you want me to watch and talk about next month. Just send it in, say, Mike, you should watch this movie, and I probably will. Uh, I've already started watching a few for June, so obviously this will be a monthly series. Uh, if you want to support me, patreon.com slash radiomike, as little as a dollar a month goes a long way to helping this show continue and me to continue to grow the numbers, uh, more numbers listening to this show. 
um, means more opportunity for me to keep doing the show because it means we can possibly start getting more sponsors and making money and etc and things like that. But yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you for watching. Let me know what movies you've been watching, what's good. I will speak to you on the next episode of 20th Century Boy. See you later, guys. Thanks for listening. This episode of 20th Century Boy was brought to you by Radio Mike on Patreon. If you just finished the podcast and want to hear me talk even more, head to patreon.com slash radio mic to get access to the TCB Overflow podcast, an extra podcast every week, and the Pat and Mike show, where me and producer Pat talk behind the scenes of making this show. The Patreon is overflowing with content. We'll see you there. This podcast was a Radio Mike original production. Head to radiomike.com.au to check out all our other content. Stay up to date at radio.mike on Instagram and get in touch, radiomikepod at gmail.com.